afternoon, fellow Constitutionalists, and welcome to the Free For All Friday edition of the Dan Clemens Show, a Christian political talk show. This is episode 915, if you're keeping track of the episodes. I'm your host, Dan Clemens, your constitutional warrior, fighting for your right just to be an American. It is October 27th in the year of the Lord, 2017. Remember, we're hyphen-free, PC-free zone, God is still in control, and he does love you. And I'm broadcasting live from the Hemlock Studios here in the beautiful central Susquehanna Valley before the great John Wayne desk. And uh, just to let you know, we're having some technical difficulties over at Blog Talk Radio. I tried about five times. It would hook up. I, I pressed the buttons I needed to, said your show will start in a certain amount of minutes. And then about 10 seconds later, all oh, we're experiencing some type of technical difficulty. And uh, they cut me off. And so I wasn't even going to try. I'm not even going to try to connect it during the show. I will upload the uh, audio to Blog Talk Radio. I do have the chat room on over there telling them there's some issues. I also said something about in the um, uh, chat room on uh, YouTube. So in the future, this is basically what it's going to be like. I'll just be broadcasting on YouTube, recording the whole episode in Audacity. Uh, Audacity, if you don't know, is a free uh, software that you can download, and uh, you have to you have to download one little piece of um, a, 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 a dill or drill or dill d i l l uh, file uh, to make it uh, save in MP3. But not no big deal. You can go on and find tutorials about that. It's a fantastic little program that I use and have been using for years now. Uh, to record the audio, I do keep a, a digital copy because Blog Talk Radio there again, uh, if you listen to what's, what's broadcast over there, you know, the quality is just terrible. So I have to upload, so I'm doing double work. Uh, so, so in light of that, <laughs> uh, I am still working on it. I don't know how long it's going to take them to uh, bring over all the, all the podcasts that I have over at Blog Talk Radio onto the new service. Once that's done, we'll be shutting down Blog Talk Radio completely. Uh, I'll still have a presence there. I don't know how long they keep it there. I'll have a note up there you know, explaining why I'm no longer there. And you'll be able to get uh, on iTunes and Stitchers. You'll still be able to get your podcast. I just have to go through and, and uh, do some things on my end to make sure it's still uploaded to iTunes and Stitchers, which is where I get most of my um, uh, hits from. And like yesterday, I had well over 660. I think it was 663. Uh, downloads, live listens, mostly downloads. Hardly anybody listens to it live because it is a hard time. I am competing with El Rushbo. Uh, so a lot of people listen to Rush, and I understand that. But I'm, but as Rush knows, uh, he's not afraid of a little competition, and I'm not afraid to compete against the big boys. And so, But there's a lot of people that are downloading my stuff, and I just, uh, like I said, I think Blog Talk Radio, they're still doing something with their analytics. So hopefully in the future we'll get that all straightened out because right now on just the DanClemmonShow.com, just to let you know, and I'm not, this isn't bragging, I'm just letting you know, I have anywhere from uh, 70 to uh, almost 100 hits a day, now, whether they're live or, or what they call bots, uh, which uh, a lot of times I've been finding out those bots are like, if they're saved, like I, I save my, I bookmark a lot of stuff on the toolbar and in my bookmark menu. And a lot of times I just go over and hit that. I'm not doing a search and I'm not sure exactly how all that's registered. I'm told, you know, that could, it's like a, it, it could show up as a bot uh, when you do that. So uh, again, uh, some of these like Blog Talk Radio won't count that. 
and it's still a hit. It still goes to your page. People are looking. It's actually, I, I have some stats, but I'm not going to share them with you about, uh, you know, how long people stay on the page, which it's, you know, long enough to look over the show notes and see what I'm talking about and then maybe click on to another, um, and I have some, what I, I guess it's called pastor or something. But anyway, so things are still changing, hopefully for the good uh, here on the Dan Clement Show. Um, hopefully we'll, we'll continue to uh, roll out a, a really good target. I have my, uh, my Ohio State pour some sugar on me, Sugar Bowl champions, Ohio State Buckeyes <laughs> t-shirt when they won the Sugar Bowl a few years back. So I uh, have that on. Uh, so if you if you like that, give me a thumbs up. I know I'm going to get some comments about, about having Ohio State stuff on. But they're my team, man. They're my college team. So uh, i gotta got to give them props, and, and uh, I support them any way I can. Uh, not monetarily. Most of the time, the, some of these things like this was a gift uh, to me. So because people know I'm a, a Ohio State fan. So I have that going on with the podcast. We have that going on with my shirt. Uh, what else uh, can I tell you? Just to, oh, remember Monday we will not have a show. We'll not have a, po- a best of podcast because, like I said, most of the weekend I'm, I'm going to be super busy. Uh, t- this afternoon I'm going to be super busy uh, and trying to get stuff done before my energy runs out. So no podcast, no broadcast at all on YouTube or Blog Talk Radio Monday. Uh, because we're taking my daughter out to a dentist appointment out in State College, which is a couple hours away from here. Uh, and it's, uh, I have to leave here by 10, 30, 11 o'clock to make the appointment. And uh, so I'm just, you know, that morning's not going to be, Monday morning's not going to be good with my daughter because she's going to know something's up. Uh, she doesn't know yet, and we don't tell her these things early. <laughs> so Monday we will not be having a show, but I will be picking up again on Tuesday. All right, not that I've wasted a lot of time, but now, now that I have said everything I needed to say, uh, I entitled the show today, Hate and Hate Speech are Subjective Ideas. And I know because, I said, I'll, because of saying this, I am going to get some hate back on this. And the reason why is because people, people are trying to take this subjective idea or, the, or these subjective terms, hate is subjective. Hate speech is subjective, and they're trying to apply objective uh, measuring sticks to it. And when you do that, when you take some, something that is purely subjective, like, I, and I'm just using it as an example. It's maybe not the best example, but let's say, and this is nothing against the Brussels sprouts uh, producers in America. I love all you guys and gals that, that grow these things, but I hate Brussels sprouts. I don't like them. I don't like them with my green eggs and ham, said Sam I am. I won't eat them in a boat. I won't eat them wearing a tote. <laughs> I don't like Brussels sprouts. Matter of fact, you could say I loathe them or hate Brussels sprouts. But again, that's very subjective because the only reason why, I, I, honestly, I, you know, you put them in front of me and make me eat them, I'm not going to do it. I'll fight you on it. And I do kind of, and maybe hate's kind of a strong word, but you see what I'm talking about. Or, you know, and there's a lot of things people hate. And sometimes they throw that word around when they don't really mean that they hate it. They just don't, they just dislike it intensely, which is a definition of hate. You know, so they can use that. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to ding them for using it because, again, it's a subjective term. What you hate, maybe I like. What you hate, maybe I tolerate. Maybe what I tolerate, you hate. And so when we get right down to it, 
And again, I've been taking the task on this idea that, that hate speech is very subjective. And we're going to talk, I have uh, some definitions here we're going to go over. Uh, I have some articles I want to read to you about this. Um, there's one in here that really bothers me. It's uh, from the Washington Free Beacon by Rachel uh, Fromer. Uh, nearly half of American college students believe hate speech should, be not, should not be protected. And again, if you go on YouTube and just type in hate speech or what is hate speech, it is going to be all over the map because it is very subjective. Now, one of my uh, favorite YouTubers that I like watching is Roaming Millennial. And I'll try to remember to put a link in, in the show notes page down there. Matter of fact, I'll make a note. Uh, Roaming Millennial link. Okay. I'll, I'll put it down in there to this latest uh, couple of videos she did. She did a uh, speech, why she supports Trump down at Lafayette College. Uh, and I can't remember exactly where Lafayette, the Lafayette she's talking about. It's in the show notes uh, of her page there. And then a follow-up after that. And these students were, were rude. Uh, they were acting like child adults. As a matter of fact, you can probably take the adult end of it off of for most of them. Uh, most of them were just virtue signaling, saying, look how good I am because of my life experiences. And, and this is one thing. <laughs> this is where we sort of part ways on life experiences. We're talking about students that are anywhere from 18 to 24 years old in these colleges, if, if, if it goes that far. I'd say 18 to 22, but depending, some people take a year or two off, then go to college, and so you can put that age up maybe to 24. What life experiences have you gathered thus far? Now, I'm not saying that maybe you had a rough childhood and maybe you went through some very bad stuff growing up as a childhood and you have those experiences. But most of them that I listen to that complain about things are complaining about things outside of their sphere of influence. Uh, they're generalizing everything. They're generalizing the oppression. They're generalizing uh, the racism. At one point during this speech, uh, which Roman Millennial, she's an Asian American. She has uh, uh, an Asian, an Oriental father, you know, Oriental descendant father and a white mother. And she looks, <laughs> she does, you know, and, uh, but her skin color and race was called into question by a student. You're supposedly a, a person of color. And it's like, honestly, first off, what does that have to do with the arguments? Second off, second, secondly, a lot of these students walked out. There were students complaining, well, you just, you just uh, alienated half the college which that was an over-exaggeration. She, you know, alienated half the people that are in there because they walked out, because they got butt-burned, in other words. Because they didn't agree with what she was saying. They didn't, and some of them didn't even agree, agree or were hurt or upset with the way she delivered it. Very mechanical, very methodical, very statistical, because she cited facts and statistics. And that was, a, that was like an aggression to some folks. And quite honestly, quite honestly, if I, had, if I would have been there, which I wasn't, if I would have been there and been on stage with her, um, those, there was two, well, at least one that was really obnoxious about it. Uh, this young man of color kept grabbing one of the four mics that were for people asking questions and walked up on the stage and sat down. That wasn't his chair. He wasn't invited to sit down there. 
he was presumptuous in doing that. And if I would have been there, um, you can come to the edge of the stage, but no further. If you come up on the stage, you're, you're, you're in our personal space and you need to back off. Because if I got in your personal space, you'd want me to back off. And we've been talking about this earlier this week and some last week about how these college students are not, honestly, in my opinion, are not fit to be there to begin with because they, ha they were not raised the right way. They were sheltered. They were coddled. They were, they were not allowed to face adversity when they were growing up. They were so protected that when they hear an idea that is totally foreign to them, they get totally upset. Now, I had a young man, I won't name his name or anything, in Boy Scouts years ago. Very bright young man. And both of his parents were very liberal in their ideology. I mean, super liberal in their ideology. And we used to sit around a campfire when we had campouts, and we'd have these, we'd get in some pretty heady political discussions, and some of the other adult male leaders there uh, were amazed at his level of interest and knowledge in politics. Although what he knew about politics was filtered through his parents, and a lot of what he knew could not be backed up with facts, statistics, or whatever. Could not be backed up. It was just what they felt or what they thought. You know, they had a certain idea that this is the way things should be, and if something comes along that, that uh, goes against that, in other words, he didn't have any fuel in his tank to debate anything. And I would come up with stats. I would come up with, uh, you know, art, not articles on the fly, but I'd say, look, if you want these, I'll get them for you. And I, I cited some articles I'd read recently. You know, some, uh, uh, a lot of times I was uh, actually quoting the Constitution, which in some instances people think that that's hate speech. Uh, the Southern, Southern Poverty Law Center, because I'm a member of the Constitution Party and we promote the U.S. Constitution, we're deemed a hate group because we promote the U.S. Constitution. So on that criteria alone, wouldn't the founders and the framers of the Constitution and the states and the folks that ratified the Constitution and believed the Constitution when it was first written, wouldn't they also be haters? Or wouldn't they be part of a hate group? So you see how hate is very subjective. Uh, uh, the, the term hate, the term hate speech is uber subjective. Because again, we're talking about ideas here. We're talking about ideas. Now, we can sit down at the table and I can say, don't touch them Brussels sprouts because I hate them. And you can say, well, I love them. I'm going to eat them. Now, should we get into a fisticuff over that? Or is that something there that we can, okay, I, I don't like Brussels sprouts. And you do. You, I, I, I'm the type of guy like, okay, you like them, go ahead and eat them. Don't expect me to help you with them. Now, like I said, that's a simple example. But these college students, their idea of what hate speech is, is if they disagree with it and you support something that they disagree with, then you're promoting hate, then you're promoting hate speech. Now, again, I hate having to qualify this, but I am not a Trump supporter. Didn't vote for him. Don't particularly care for the man. But, <laughs> I'm going to put a big but in here. He is my president. He won the presidency of the United States fair and square. Took the electoral college. And as far as I'm concerned with everything that I've read about the shenanigans going on 
with elections and stuff, uh, he won the popular vote too. Uh, everybody's talking about uh, the groups I talk about here, Indivisible Guide and Common Cause and Let America Vote. Uh, they were, uh, they've been after Mr. Kobosh uh, and the, and the uh, Election Commission. Oh, they've gone silent. Yeah, you know why they went silent? It's because groups like yours are putting out so many lies about the commission. They've just decided to, to hold every. They were trying to be transparent. They decided to hold everything in because uh, the truth wasn't getting out about what was going on. And, and matter of fact, they weren't even putting the truth out. Words were being put in their mouth. And so they've gone silent. And I, and, and I think when they do speak, uh, heads are going to explode out there, especially with Let America Vote and Common Cause and all these George Soros-supported open society-type uh, organizations that claim to be grassroots, which they're not. Uh, even Indivisible Guide, we're, we're a, a bottom-up grassroots uh, organization, yet they were organized. <laughs> they were organized and or continue to be organized from uh, politicos. Uh, from the Clinton administration and from different uh, administrations and departments in the in the federal government. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. That was hateful of me to say. I'm sorry. So, again, we should be able to boil things down to what what are the facts? What's the truth of the matter? And then draw some conclusions about that that we all have to accept. The problem I see with a lot of the anti-freedom groups out there, and some, some a little bit with the freedom folks that, that say they support freedom and liberty, yet they, I've heard them also say uh, that these college campus students shouldn't be allowed to speak either. You know, it, it's coming from both sides. And, and the folks that I would deem in the freedom and, and liberty side of things, shame on you. You should know better. Because <laughs> you're supposed to be espousing the principles of freedom and liberty, and, and you're trying to uh, put a kibosh on somebody's freedom of speech, even if they don't know what they're talking about, as far as I'm concerned, they need to, they need to be let out. And I was just watching a, uh, David Miller, a comedian, uh, and he was talking about ideas not being in the marketplace of ideas. He was talking about ideas need to be let out on the playground. And then they need to have better ideas come along and beat them up. <laughs> And that's, I think that's a very good analogy. You cannot shut down, and I was asked by Dr. Uh, Dr. Christy Winters, uh, a, a vocal third-wave feminist out there, would I allow a Hitler type? Now, she said type. If she just said Hitler, I would have had no problems of telling her yes. She was asking a question, would you allow a Hitler type today uh, freedom of speech? And I wanted her to define that term. She never did. She never defined that. A lot of times they'll just put these things out and they'll, they'll forget about them. And, and she didn't define it. And, but anyway, I went on later on saying, yeah, we, if Hitler would have been exposed to the civil public discourse, the marketplace of ideas, the playground of ideas, other better ideas would have come up and whooped his up. But the problem was he came to, he came to power almost in a vacuum. Uh, freedom of speech was not big high on his agenda to, to allow that, to allow dissent against his parties, because even before he came to power, he had his brown shirts that were intimidating folks. You know, like, not unlike the uh, the Democrats of or 
who had the KKK as their militant arm, who were uh, squashing dissent, and not unlike Antifa and Black Lives Matters being the militant arm of the Democrat Party, um, um, squashing or wanting to squash uh, freedom of speech on college campuses and elsewhere. Matter of fact, Antifa is threatening on November 4th to cause a civil war to ouster President Trump. And I've seen, folks, this is funny. I know I'm getting off a little bit of a tangent here, but I got, you know, I got an hour and a half on the show, and, I, and it's my show. I've seen some of the training videos they've let out. That we're out here training, right? And, and I've seen this one where the uh, they were training, going through some wooded areas, uh, and, and pretending like, and, and maybe and there's a couple buildings in the way, uh, in their area, and I was thinking back to my military training, especially the Army National Guard, we were taught urban warfare. Uh, I was thinking uh, that their tactics, and I'm not going to describe them all, but their tactics were such where one or two uh, well-placed riflemen out of a rifle platoon of, of an Army National Guard unit uh, could defend a position very easily against these clowns. They have no clue what they're doing. <laughs> they have no clue what they're doing. Uh, and it's funny, but it's groups like, like Antifa. Oh, we're anti-fascist. Yet they use fascist tactics to gain their goals. And part of their fascist tactics is trying to uh, shut down speech on campus. It's calling it hate speech. Same with BLM, calling it hate speech. And again, it's very subjective, and, and it's mostly because they disagree with what you're saying. But they won't sit down and have a calm um, conversation with you. It's just like uh, I shared earlier in the week this uh, this lady called Big Red. All you got to do is go to YouTube and, and look up uh, Big, uh, uh, Big Red Feminist. And you'll see this lady from, I think she's from Canada, has like the ugliest red hair you ever wanted to see uh, and just the foulest mouth you ever wanted to hear on some of her videos, especially the one, the raw footage out in crowds. And uh, the wants to, won't allow... Honestly, she doesn't want to hear from men because we're part of the patriarchy. And, and it's the patriarchy's you know, fault for everything that's gone wrong with women in the world. It's the patriarchy. You know, it's always somebody else's fault. And if you listen to her and you listen to her talk, um, she has, for whatever reason, a, a hatred for men. Now, she may say she doesn't, and I've heard her say it on a couple, a couple different occasions, that she doesn't have a hatred for men, but her speech betrays her. And what she's talking about betrays her that she won't even allow. She doesn't even want to allow. And this is her. Oh, I, I, you know, these men right, men's rights movements, they shouldn't be allowed unless they're talking about lifting up women. Um, making herself the arbiter of what is or is not allowed. And a lot of these feminists, and, and this goes, my whole thing about hate speech here, a lot of these feminists like uh, Anna uh Scarzazian, I think is her name, and I'll uh, let me. I'll make a note of that and put a link up. Uh, matter of fact, I might even have uh, just real quick here. I don't know if I have one of her um, feminist frequency is her YouTube channel, uh, but her first name's Anna, and but she doesn't allow. Any comments on any of her videos, she shuts the comments off. 
She will not allow discussions on her videos. Uh, I, I pray to God that that day never comes for me. Now, I have, and I'll be honest with you, and I've done this on several occasions, I have deleted or hidden comments. I don't actually delete them. I hide them from the feed. They're still, I can still see them over on a certain part of my creator studio. But I hide them from my feed because they have so much profanity in it. I don't want, I got kids that actually watch my videos. And they don't need to be seeing that profanity. And I warn people about that. You know, and, and I'll, I'll remove, I won't block you, but I'll remove your comments uh, when I see them uh, if they're profanity laden. And it's, it's amazing to me how, it's amazing to me how folks, these anti-freedom folks out there that uh, want to regulate speech and call it hate speech because they, they want to, because they don't agree with it, but yet they will not allow open discussion. Uh, a civic, a civil public discourse, a discussion about the different ideas. Big Red, she, she honestly, she's just got a loud mouth on her, and a lot of what she says. We talked about this earlier in the week here, you know, about the, um, um, uh, you know, they call it a rape culture and the falsified rape reports. Well, actually, it's a lot higher than two percent, like she claims, and in the article she actually cites Rolling Stone, and they say two to ten. But what does she do? She doesn't give me that spread. She only uses the lowest number. Oh, it's only 2% that are false. We live in this rape culture. You know, every man that sees a young lady in a, in a short skirt wants to rape her. And that's her words, not mine. And yet she wants to, she, she's allowed to say that, but she won't, she won't allow me or wants to silence my rebuttal to that or opposing ideas to that because I'm part of the patriarchy that doesn't exist in America? Give me a break. Huh. Doesn't even exist in Canada, but give me a break. So we're going to talk about, if you haven't noticed already, we're going to talk about hate and hate speech today uh, on the program here. Look, folks, if you want a web presence, if you don't have a web presence now, but you got an idea, you got a hobby you're doing, uh, uh, you're a writer and, and you want to put out uh, blog posts, uh, stuff like that, or you're selling a product, whatever your needs are, uh, folks, check out Bluehost. Go to thedanclemmashow.com and click on the Bluehost uh, widget at the top of the page. It'll take you over to their site. Won't cost you a dime. Won't add to your cost. Uh, but look at their site. See what you see what you get for for your mo monthly payments. And they're very low monthly payments right now. You have free domain, uh, free site builder, one-click WordPress install, and 24-7 support. And let me back up to that one-click WordPress install. Folks, this is a WordPress-ready WordPress, WordPress ready hosting service. And I've done, I've done my own hosting before as far as uh, doing all the work, the CCS work on the backside of websites and stuff. And trust me, I tell you, I wish I'd have known about WordPress a lot. You know, I did know about it, but didn't really look into it. I wish I'd looked into it years ago. Back when I was the back to basic with Dan Clements, uh, I had a better experience. So if you want a good experience, you want a good hosting service uh, that's really inexpensive, please go to the DanClementsShow.com and click on the Bluehost widget. And if you do that, if you do that, and, and they give me the stats and everything like that, if you get your web hosting through my site, I don't care if you're starting up something new or you're transferring something old over to Bluehost. If you do it through my portal, I'll give you a shout out on the show. All right, folks, today's daily Bible reading comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 14 through 18. Now, we exhort you, brethren, this is Paul talking to the Thessalonians, we exhort you, brethren, 
warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. And folks, let me stop reading here. That is very hard in this day and age, especially with what's going on out there with uh, uh, free sp the freedom of speech being threatened the way it is. But we must be patient with all, and that's something I strive to do. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Let me stop reading. Remember this concept we had at the end of last week and, and building on the beginning of this week about justice for all? You know, the justice is, is making sure that the opportunities that I'm availing myself of are also available to anybody else that wants them and it's like flows down like a river. You know, that they're, they, they have just as much right to do the things that I do. That's justice for all, you know. So we, we have to seek the good for both yourselves and for everybody, for all. Verse 16, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Good words to live by there, folks. Today's quote mail comes from Carl Brand. Though no one can go back and make a new beginning, and there's a lot of people out there who wish they could. I, I, I regret some things in my life that I didn't complete. Uh, so I wish I could go back, but you can't. But anyone can start from now and make a brave new end. Amen. And that's what I'm, you know, that's what I'm doing with this show. You know, I've been doing this since two, 2007. I'm still plugging on here. Uh, off and on for 10 years now. A short Bible lesson. I really want you to go over and read this article over by Vernon R. Cups. He's a Ph.D. over at uh, um, ICR.org. And ICR.org is the uh, Institute for Creation Research. Uh, there's, this is funny, too. Uh, a lot of those, a lot of atheists and those in the skeptic community want places like ICR shut down because they're just wasting people's money because this is a uh, looking, looking into creation through with the scientific method is a waste of time. And I'm saying, well, if it's a waste of time, what do you care? You're, are you giving money to it? No. I don't believe the government's giving money to it. I've seen their financial reports a couple years ago. Maybe, maybe 2011, 2012, and they're privately supported. So what do you care if they look into creation with the scientific method? Are you, are you afraid of something? And that's what I think. I think a lot of it is they're afraid because their, their support of evolution uh, and stuff like that, and this is the one thing, and this has something to do with this article here, Genesis doesn't fit with deep time. When I was a kid going through school, they were talking about, uh, you know, the earth only being a couple million years old, you know, and now in order for, it, it just, it seems like as the, as the decades roll on and I'm, I'm in the middle of my fifth decade in existence on this earth, uh, or sixth decade, yeah, sixth decade, because uh, the first one, one, two, three, <laughs> anyway, I'm 55 years old, folks, um, the time for evolution has gotten longer and longer and longer. It went from a couple million years to a couple, you know, or actually more than that. You know, it was like, uh, uh, like maybe 100 million years, you know, because dinosaurs were 65 million. You know, th that's where they put them at. So it's actually, you know, I, I say it tongue in cheek, but it was actually somewhere around 100 million years or so. And now we're, we're actually into the billions of years. The multiple billions of years uh, for evolution have taken place. And yet, even with those long time spans, uh, they can't prove a thing. They absolutely can't prove a thing. 
and none of their experiments uh, can they repeat or anything like that. So it's it just amazing to me how Christians, and this is this is more for Christians here, Genesis doesn't fit with deep time. There are a lot of Christians out there, and I know some of them personally, uh, that believe that the days were long epics, you know, long periods of times, and not what the Hebrew word says that's being used for day there is a 24-hour period. And I'm amazed at how Christians don't understand that. I'm amazed that Christians fall for this evolutionary trap and try to apply evolution to Genesis to make them both fit. And they just, they don't. They don't fit at all. And, and the thing with evolution is it falls down on its own weight. You don't even have to argue creation. It just falls down under its own weight, but they don't want to recognize that because, and this is simple, folks, if skeptics and atheists recognize that their arguments do not hold water and what they actually believe is a fallacy, then either they're, and this is what they think, their lives have been wasted, so what's the answer? And they're afraid to answer that question. All right, let's get into... Yeah, a sip of coffee here. Reposition myself here. Okay. We're talking about hate. So let's go over to dictionary.com and see what hate actually is, or hate speech actually is. Okay? A verb used with object, hate or hating, a dislike intensely or passionately, feel extreme aversion for or extreme hostility towards detest verb used without an object hated or hating okay to feel intense dislike or extreme version aversion or hostility a noun intense dislike extreme aversion to hostility the object of extreme aversion or hostility adjective Noting or relating to acts that are motivated by hatred, prejudice, or intolerance. A hate crime, a hate group, hate mail. Now, adjectives, again, they are very subjective. Especially when you talk about hate crime, hate groups, hate mail. Okay? And verb phrases, hate on, informal, to show hate towards, criticize, or belittle, usually unfairly. Don't hate on him just because he wins all the time. And there, there are people that do that. They hate on folks that are winners, that are successful. Uh, there is a huge hate culture in America against successful free market capitalists. I'm not talking about the crony capitalists and, and some of these big corporations out there. I'm talking about the capitalists that are in corporate America and, and what I call small corporate America that makes up the vast majority uh, of corporations in the United States. Now, Let's go over and see what dictionary.com says for hate speech. Now, it's only a noun. It's in noun form. Speech that attacks, threatens, or insults a person or group on the basis of national origin, ethnicity, color, religion, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, or disability. Now, this is where we get into the mud just a little bit here because of the definition. A speech that attacks or threatens. Or, and then they, again, they put in this other term, insults a person or group on the basis of. This, again, is very subjective. Now, we do have laws on the books 
that you cannot incite somebody to violence with your speech. You cannot go into a crowded theater and yell fire. That's not free speech. Okay? And, as far as speech that attacks or threatens, again, you cannot threaten somebody. You can't say, uh, because I disagree with what you're saying, I'm going to come over and chop your head off. That's a threat. Or I'm going to come over and beat you up bodily. That's a threat. Okay? There are laws against that. I cannot... That's not part of free speech. But this is where we get into the subjective part here. Insults a person or group. A speech that attacks, threatens, or insults a person's group on the basis of national origin, ethnicity, color, religion, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, or disability. Now the problem with this, and it's not a problem with the definition, folks. It really isn't. It's a problem with um, attitudes. What most people will take away from this definition is we cannot talk out against uh, national origin, ethnicity, color, religion, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, or disability. Now, I'm going to work on the last, the last ones because the first ones, national origin, ethnicity, and color are attributes of a person that they cannot help themselves. Nothing they did, n- nothing I did to anybody be, to be, be born a white male. That was my mom and dad. They both, they're both white. They both married a white person, and I'm the result of that. Okay, so that's something I didn't have any control over. My ethnicity or my national origin, I have no control over. I'm a native-born American. I'm an American. I was born in America. I have no control over that. That's just where I happen to be born. Okay, and again, same with ethnicity. Now, the last ones, religion, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation... I'm going to leave disability out of that. That's not part of this list, but these ones I just mentioned, religion, gender, gender identity, and sexual orientation are all choices, except for the actual gender. But they want it, and the reason why I I lump gender in there, because there's a lot of um, legislatures out there and people out there that think gender is a societal construct. Me being born male is a societal construct. No, God in the beginning made them male and female. (laughs) Two genders. So gender is one of those things that you have no control over. Now, are there exceptions to the rules? Absolutely. There are folks born out there with both sets of male and female genitalia, but one of them is more dominant than the other. And sometimes that has to be sorted out, and and that's a terrible thing someone has to go through. But that's the exception, not the rule. We are born male or female. Gender identity. Well, what we are, I identify as a, as a man, or I identify as a woman, or I identify as, uh, you know, new, gender neutral. Uh, you know, there's, there, and folks, honestly, I think some people have too much time in their hands. There's somewhere, I read somewhere there's over 300 different gender identities that you can be. No wonder we have a messed up world out there, folks. But again, religion, gender identity, sexual orientation, these are choices that people make. I choose to be a Christian. wasn't born into it, uh, contrary to what Catholics believe or what Jews believe. Uh, after Christ nailed the Old Testament to the cross and died for my sins on the cross and was ascended back into heaven, 
becoming religious is a choice. Like I said, Christianity, you're not born into Christianity, even though there's a lot of people out there that believe that and have said that to me, and I've, I've corrected them, and they looked at me like I had two heads. What are you talking about? I chose to become a Christian. You know, I, and not that I choose my gender identity, I recognize that I'm a man. I'm, I'm, I'm a male as far as my gender. But there's folks out there that have trouble identifying their gender, and it's called gender dysphoria, and that's a mental issue. Up until a couple decades ago, homosexuality was considered a mental issue. Now, I don't agree with some of the things they used to do uh, to try to take care of that, like chemical castration, uh, but it is, uh, it was up until about 20 years ago or so, maybe 30 now, but maybe, I think it was about 20 years ago that it was considered by the American Psychiatric Association as a mental disorder, just like gender dysphoria is. It's, and honestly, folks, when we're talking about the LGBTQ community, you're talking less than, you know, between 3 and 4%. But it's closer to 3% of the whole population that identify in one of those groups. So again, it's not, the, it's not the norm. It's outside of the norm. These are, in my opinion, choices. Now, me just saying that, <gasps> that's hate speech. How hateful are you? And, and I don't hate any of these folks. To be quite honest with you, I do not hate any of these folks, and I'm not going to give the example. Well, I have this gay friend, and that's why I don't hate. I'm not going to go that way. You know, you if you to to know me, and Dave will love this. To know me is to love me. I, I really don't have any hate in my heart for anybody. I do hate what some people do. Uh, give you a, a real good example. Uh, a friend of mine uh, knows some realtors down in Arizona. And uh, she posted a picture. Uh, this real estate agent went out there to, to look at the house to put it on the market. And the people had already left. Couldn't stay. They had to go, whatever the reason was. And they couldn't take their dog with them, a beautiful German Shepherd. And he had like a out, little outside run between, I don't know if it was between the house and the garage or between two houses. But he was penned up there and dishes were rolled over the place. The food was on the ground. He was left there. He was abandoned. Now, I hate I, I hate people that do that. I really do. That that just irks me. It fires me up so bad because you know what? Uh, that animal caged up like that cannot take care of itself. Cannot take care of itself. And I really have some uh, hatred and animosity towards people who do that. They are there are wonderful, wonderful organizations like you know the SPCA and other rescue places, uh, adoption agencies, and it just it, it tears my heart that people would do that to a dog or, or any type of animal. It tears my heart when I see these people chain these animals outside. Chain a dog outside. Oh, that's our pet. What? Pets aren't chained outside. Pets are part of the family. You know, pets should be inside. But even then, like I said, people, you know, that, that's what I'm talking about when I say I hate things. I really do. Uh, God says he hates sin. You know, and he tells us that we need to abhor sin ourselves. And part of uh, hate is is being, and I'll go back over that definition real quick, um, dislike intensely, passionately, feel extreme aversion for or extreme hostility toward, detest, abhor would be the same thing as these are, okay? So, again, I want to get back to this idea 
that hate speech is very subjective. Hate is very subjective. Okay? And, and the reason why it is is because everybody's different. And just because you disagree with what I'm saying doesn't make what I'm saying hate or hateful. I don't like wearing pink. I dislike wearing pink. I won't even wear pink ribbons in support of Breast Month. I'm sorry. I just, I don't like wearing pink, period. I used to have, I called one of my power shirts that had little pink lines, like a white shirt with, with skinny, like three different colors that were very light, and it had pink in it. And my wife said I looked great in it. I just, I didn't like wearing it. I wore it a few times. I just, I don't like wearing pink. Sorry. It's not one of the colors I choose to wear. Now, is that hateful towards pink? Is that hateful towards uh, Breast Awareness Month? No. Not in my opinion. Now, you may think it is, but that's on you. Again, something that's very subjective like this, usually, and not usually, in more cases than not, it's what I say isn't necessarily hateful. It's how you choose to take it. Do you hear what I said? Not that what I'm saying is hateful. It's how you choose to take it and how you choose to understand it. Now, I, again, there is such a false narrative going on with President Donald Trump. It just it blows my mind that these educated folks, and they have this. I was watching Michael Malice interview or Tom uh, Tim Pool interview Michael Malice, one of the one. Uh, one or the other, and he was talking about this uh, educational bias, that there's a lot of folks out there that are, and he's not talking about the hard sciences, he's talking about the social sciences uh, that get these degrees, and they have this educational bias that they think because they have this educate, education that they're smarter than everybody else around them. I've been saying that for years, folks. I, I've been saying people have been, uh, are, are edu a lot of people out there are educated beyond their intelligence. And I'm talking about in the social sciences. I'm talking about the liberal art degrees. They're educated beyond their intelligence. And, and I get this bias thrown back at me all the time because I chose not to go to college. I chose to further my education in my way. And, and what really ticks them off, and I think, <laughs> I think this makes them madder than anything or what drives them to hate me, and I don't want to drive anybody to hate me, but, they, but what, what they really hate is that I can stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with them in a discussion or a debate. It's not, that I'm, it's not that I'm not willing to be corrected or backed down. You know, my goodness, I became a Christian. I was Catholic, and I actually became a New Testament Christian. I didn't hold on to my Catholicism because I was proven and shown that I was wrong. Now, if you prove, prove to me and show me that I'm wrong about something with facts, not just your feelings, not with just your suppositions or because you want me to believe the way you believe or just because I have a degree and you don't, if you show me hard evidence and facts, I'm more than willing to change my mind about something. I really am. But in my limited experience, folks that I get in discussion with that say that they're college educated, and I take them at their word, I don't think they're going to lie to me about that, and if they are, that's on them, not me. And if I want to investigate that, I guess I can. But, you know, I, I take people at their word until they prove me wrong. 
but they say they're college educated. And I've had more than one of them say, well, you don't have a college degree, so you really don't have anything to say. Really? I don't have the freedom of speech. I don't have the freedom to go out on the Internet and research these things. I don't have the freedom to go out and buy books to educate myself with. I don't have that freedom. I mean, I've wasted the last, you know, I've been out of school since I was 18. Went straight into the military. Got two DD-214s, matter of fact. I talked about that the other day. You have a college degree and I get a DD-214. I got two of them. One from the Army National Guard, one from the United States Navy. So I've been educating myself since I was uh, 18, either through experiences, and I got a lot of experiences behind me, or through studying and reading, watching videos, educational videos. One of my favorite sites is Hillsdale College. They put these free courses online. <laughs> Why not avail yourself of them? You know, listen, listening to, to, to folks that, that actually know what they're talking about, like Tom Woods. He's a, uh, he has a doctorate in, in American history, and he's also self-taught in economics. Uh, and he, he follows the same line of economics I do, Austrian economics. And he can argue that. I can argue fairly well with Austrian economics. I don't know all the, the things he does. Or Bob Murphy, a friend of his out of uh, Nashville, Tennessee, you know, who's another economist. Uh, I may not know all the, the mathematics behind everything, but I know, you know Economics 101 when it comes to Austrian economies and Austrian economics and how, how people interact in that. And I, I try to talk to some of my educated friends, and they think I'm an idiot. And yet they, they don't know what they're talking about when they talk about their top-down government-controlled economics, how that is actually what has caused the problems we have in this country, not capitalism and not free markets. Again, I, I actually learned a lot from a guy named Kevin Goodsman. He's a professor, and he writes books. Very knowledgeable guy, but he isn't so stuck on himself that he won't converse with a guy like me. I've had uh, some small conversations with him on Facebook, not major. I'd love to have him on the show and interview him. But <laughs> I make some good points to him, and he expounds on them. Or if I'm, and, and I have, I might have been a little bit off. Or dare I say, I'm wrong about something. And, and he'll make a statement, and I'm like, you know, I never thought about it that way. Let me think about that. And I'll actually come back to him and say, you know, you're right. You know, I wasn't thinking clearly on this, and I had this part of this wrong, and thank you for correcting me that. Whoa. How often do you see that in the world today? You don't. You really don't. All right. Um, real quick here. Um, I want to, I got to get, I, I thought I had this up, and I didn't. Um, let me see here. Let me get this up on here. This is from... Uh, Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry. And let me just bring this up here, make sure I got everything that you can see everything. Okay. This is What is Hate Speech by Matt uh, Slick. Hate speech is a term often used by liberals in their attacks on Christians. Anything that does not agree with the liberal viewpoint is sometimes labeled as hate speech and ridiculed. But what really is hate speech? And I'm going to switch this over to the reading uh, pane so you, you know that I was actually getting off an article there. Now, he, he used some of the definitions I've used. Dictionary.com, speech that attacks a person or group on the basis of race, religion, gender, 
uh, gender identity or sexual orientation. He left out gender identity, but that's fine. Gender does encompass that. Uh, USeducationguides.com, a term for speech intended to degrade, uh, intimidate, or incite violence or prejudice against someone based on race, ethnicity, national origin, religion, sexual orientation, or disability. The term covers written as well as oral communication and definitions uslegal.com hate speech is the communication that carries no meaning other than the expression of hatred for some group especially in circumstances which the communication is likely to provoke violence it is an incitement to hatred primarily against a group of persons defined in terms of race ethnicity national origin gender religion sexual orientation and the like Hate speech can be any form of expression regarded as offensive to racial, ethnic, and religious groups or other uh, discrete minorities or to women. So we can see that hate speech is that which attacks a person or group based on race, religion, gender, or sexual orientation and has the potential uh, result of including or inciting harm. Hate speech, speech that attacks a person or groups on the basis of race, religion, gender, or sexual orientation. Maybe the liberals should study hate speech a little more. Apparently, they don't get it. Don't we Christians have a right to our opinions? Don't we have the right to exercise the freedom of religion, uh, of our beliefs? Excuse me for a second, folks. I, wanted to, I forgot to shut the ringer off there. But, uh, or do, or we do for now, but they may change as results of the hate speech of liberals which is so often directed at Christians. Liberals like to na- name call homophobes, hate mongers, etc., label us as bigots, and say we serve an antiquated God. In doing this, they commit the very era, error of which they accuse us. Here, or here's how the degree, or they degrade and attack us Christians as a religious group, and I'm sure attempt to to intimidate Christians into abstaining from the political realm and social structure structuring of the culture based on religious beliefs. Now, I've been told this several times, especially on Facebook, that I am a Christian, I say I'm a Christian, and therefore it's unconstitutional for me to talk anything about the Constitution because I'm a Christian. All right? Um, they degrade our Christian lifestyle, which includes the right to disapprove of homosexuality, bestiality, pedophilia, polygamy, uh, polandery, pornography, etc. Also, they incite prejudicial action against Christians with their ill-informed misrepresentations of Christianity. For example, they will sometimes call the God of the Old Testament a baby killer, murderer, genocidal maniac, homophobe, etc. Such accusations can easily incite anger, hatred, and violence towards Christians. After all, if you accuse a religious group long enough, people will begin to believe the accusations. And as we all should be aware of beliefs uh, of, or we shall all be aware of, beliefs lead to actions. Think of Hitler's propaganda effect on the Jews. Okay? What would happen to Christians if everyone around them thought that they were following a murderous, baby-killing God that was labeled homophobic and, and casually supported genocide? Think about it. By labeling people or groups, i.e. Christians, in negative ways, it makes it easier for one group, liberals, to hate another, to become emotionally detached, increasingly irrational, and potentially violent. Would those thus indoctrinated by the hate 
by the hate speech of liberal hypocrisy, which modern societies seem to embrace so readily, treat the Christians with love and kindness or with fear and intimidation, which, which, uh, which couplet brings peace and which brings persecution. Ah, but such reasoning does not stop liberals from their double-speak and hypocrisy, probably because they haven't thought things through very far. And I'm going to stop reading here. That is a lot of the problem with everybody. Those in the freedom groups and those in the anti-freedom groups out there, a lot of times they don't sit and think through things before they, they you know, their, their brain isn't, isn't being used before they engage their mouth. Do you understand the words that are coming out of your mouth? That type of ideology. <laughs> the name-calling. Accusatory, intolerant liberals are quick to judge and slow to love. They are eager to blame while ignoring their own guilt. They readily condemn and remain blind to how they do the very thing of which they accuse others. Who knows? Perhaps their attitudes have been shaped by their own hate speech more than they realize. Again, let me stop the reading there. Antifa is using fascist tactics to fight so-called fascism. And that's just as idiotic as George W. Bush back in the day when the 2008 meltdown was, was uh, coming into play, that we need to abandon free market principles to save the free market. That's an idiotic statement. I mean, that's just totally idiotic, okay? But if we, but if we are persecuted, count it a blessing for Christ who was also persecuted unrighteously, 1 Corinthians 2.8. Our response is to bless those who persecute us, Romans 12, 14. If we are accused, we should bear it well, 1 Peter 4, 16. This does not mean we are to be idle and do nothing. We have the right of self-defense, Luke 22, 36. As we give an answer to everyone who asks, 1 Peter 3, 15. Yet, while we do this, our love is to be without hypocrisy, Romans 12, 9. We are never to pay back evil for evil, Romans 12, 17. And as far as it is possible, we are to be at peace with all people. As in Romans 12, 18. And let me just bring it, I don't think, let me see if they have it. Uh, Romans 12, 18. Now, I thought sometimes they have a, a click up in there. Uh, let me go over here real quick. Uh, Romans 12, 18, New King James Version says, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peacefully with all men. So it, as much as it depends on us, as much as possible, we are the peace of all people, even though many may not want to be at peace with us. And I think that's what frustrates a lot of, it frustrates a lot of people I deal with because I won't call them names, I won't use swear words, and I try to keep the, the debate on, on a higher ground, as it were. Uh, most of the folks that disagree with me want to drag it down into the mud, and I just won't go there. I think that ticks them off more than anything. Finally, it is not bigoted, narrow-minded, or hate speech to say we follow God and believe that homosexuality, pornography, pedophilia, rape, adultery, etc. are all wrong. We are expressing the freedom of our religion in spite of what the liberals fear and, and foment. Uh, rest assured, fellow Christians, it is for righteousness and truth that we are persecuted, reviled, mislabeled, and falsely accused by those who, who seek uh, to sit in judgment of our faith. Really good article. I, 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 so I have this link in here. What is hate speech, Christian apologetics, and research ministry? Okay, really good article. I can't disagree with anything in there. And again, this idea of hate speech is very, very subjective. It is, ve it, 
it is totally subjective, not just very, it is totally subjective. What is hate and what isn't? What, what, is, what is defined as hate speech? Just because you disagree with what I say doesn't mean what I'm saying is hate speech. Now, you may take it as hate speech, and it's, that's on you. That's on you, but I surely, in the marketplace of ideas, in the playground of ideas, in civil public discourse, I should be able to defend myself. I should be able to defend my positions, and you should be able to allow me if you're if you're what you claim to be. You know what uh, anti-freedom folks and liberals and progressives claim to be. If you're actually what you claim to be, you will sit down and hear my side of why I believe what I believe. But the problem with again, the problem with that is on. It's not the speaker. It's not the speaker, it's the person who receives that speech. Now, let's go to white supremacy real quick here. I, I don't agree with the stances and ideas of the white supremacy movement in the United States, whether it's what you would call on the right or on the left, like with the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, folks have been, um, real quick here, folks have been trying to uh, equate the Ku Klux Klan uh, with white supremacy, and I have this little clip here uh, about the Republican Party, it, and it's funny. And, and again, it, it disregards history. It, it disregards who the Ku Klux Klan uh, really is. So let me get this set up here for you real quick. Look at the reaction, Joy. Who is it that came out? just to destroy George Bush after those comments were on white supremacy, Steve Bannon, yep. who I think his exact quote was, George W. Bush was so out of line with those comments. Again, the issue polarizing here, the issue at the heartbeat of it all, race. The Republican Party, or the Republic Klan Party, as I call them now, which is what Donald Trump has sanctioned them as, cannot and will not allow any proper discussion on their white supremacy to be had because it all unravels after that. And I think that's what George W. Bush courageously did. Folks, there was, <laughs> we talked about this uh, earlier this week. There was nothing courageous about George W. Bush's um, speech. Matter of fact, he, may, he, he fell into the same trap as a lot of the anti-freedom folks do is that because white supremacists support Donald Trump, therefore he must be a white supremacist because he doesn't denounce that. I don't know how many different ways, I don't know how many times a day, I don't know how many days of the week, I don't know how many weeks of the year that President Trump has to denounce white supremacy. But he did at, right after Charlottesville. The only, the only reason why they don't agree with what he said after Charlottesville is because he lumped, he lumped white supremacy in with the Antifa and the Black Lives Matter groups that were all there, especially Antifa and Black Lives Matter, was there to cause trouble. If they weren't there, if there was no counter-protest, I don't think Charlottesville would have been an issue. They'd have said their piece, uh, they'd have left the area, and then we could have discussed it like adults. But no, the politicians had to allow a counter-protest, which they knew, if they didn't know, they were dumb. They are idiots. But they had to know that there was going to be some trouble by, by giving permits to these, count, like especially to Antifa and Black Lives Matter. But 
I'm satisfied with what Donald Trump said after Charlottesville. I don't need to hear him say it every day that I, I disagree with white supremacy. And just because, just because white supremacists support him doesn't make him a white supremacist. That's not, that's not what guilty by association is. Guilty by association is if he was supporting and he was piling accolades onto the white supremacy. Now, then he would be guilty by association. It doesn't work if he doesn't support them. I, I don't know how much more common sense I can get at this. And that was on AM Joy on MSNBC. It's a Sunday morning show. And uh, that gentleman, uh, was his name was Ahmad. Um, and anyway, it, it goes to their mindset. It goes to their mindset. And, and folks, a lot of these anti-freedom folks out there, whether they're uh, intersectional third-wave feminists out there, they're definitely anti-freedom. Uh, the, the folks in the lamestream media are definitely anti-freedom. The child adults on a lot, not all, but a lot of our uh, college and uni university campi are just ignorant. They're ignorant. They do not know what they speak. They have lamestream media. It's because they have a, a, a conclusion that Donald Trump must go and their Democrat sycophants support that idea. So they, they gear everything towards trying to get him out, ignoring, like we talked about yesterday, ignoring uh, a big, big Russian collusions with the Hillary Clinton, the Clinton Foundation, the Obama White House with the, the Uranium One scandal. We talked about this yesterday on the show. I mean, fo folks, do you, you understand the words are coming out of my mouth. And if I say something that you take offense to, that's on you, not me. Like I said, I'm not going to personally attack you. But I, can, I cannot support the practice of homosexuality, whether it's between two men or two women. I can't support that because of my religious convictions. I'm not going to go out of my way to try to destroy a person because they're practicing that. That's not my, that's not my job. It's not my purpose in life. My purpose is to speak the truth in love, and hopefully they'll come to the understanding that that's all I'm doing. I, do I think there are quote-unquote Christians out there that are doing more than that? Yeah, I think there's some Christian groups out, quote-unquote Christian groups, I need to put that in there, that I do not believe are Christian at all, like the Westboro Baptists. They're not behaving like Christians at all. Not at all. And they would call me a heretic for saying that. You know, we, we are not told to preach that way. Matter of fact, can I let you in on a little secret? Almost all the New Testament especially let's go to the epistles, were written to Christians for Christians. Now, yes, does it talk about sins of the world? Absolutely. And we are, we're supposed to be aware of that, and we should preach about that. But you know what? When we're dealing with folks, when we're dealing with a lot of souls out there, yeah, it's okay for them to come to the conclusion that they're sinners and they're, and they're outside of Christ. But it's bad policy and bad practice for me to sit there and hammer on them that, that you're a sinner and you're going to go to hell unless you do as I say. You're not, you're not going to convert anybody that way. And, and it doesn't matter what the sin is. It just doesn't matter. What matters is they can be forgiven of those sins if they choose to. If they don't, I have no power over that. 
I did my job. My job is to preach the word. And then once it's preached, my job is to water the word. But other than that, it's up to the individual. I can't drag individuals along in their maturing in Christ anymore than I can drag a sinner away from his sins and, and uh, baptize him into Christ if he doesn't want that or she doesn't want that. But because I have this ideology that I think homosexuality is a sin, oh, you're just homophobic. What does that even mean, homophobic? That's a made-up term. That's not an actual term. I don't, I don't have an, an unnatural fear of, uh, of homosexuals because I think their lifestyle is living a sin. It's not going to rub off on me at all. So I'm not afraid of it. I, I think there's some pretty nice folks out there. And I... I'm not going to say I have friends that are homosexuals, but I know homosexuals. They're pretty nice people. You know, I, I don't have any animosity towards them. No matter what their sin is, I don't have their animosity toward them unless you're, unless you're abusing young children. Then, then we, have, we have a problem. We have a problem. Or unless you're abusing women, then we have a problem. But other than that, come on. And for, for it to be counted as hate speech, again, uh, uh, that was a good article there, you know, about what is hate speech. It's very, very subjective. So we need to get that out of the colleges. We need to get out, get it out of the English language as far as everyday usage. Because, again, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never harm me. The only way worms, words can harm me or you is if you give them the power to do so. My wife is just... Sometimes, you know, she looks at me like, you know, someone has done something to me and I'll just let it go. Because what's it going what's it going to do? All it's going to do is hurt me physically, emotionally, and mentally if I hang on to an anger or a wrong that somebody did me that I can't correct. And so I just choose to let it go. Is there anything wrong with that? I choose to let that go. And and, and other people is I'm not unique in this. But my wife, she's like, you know, you don't let things bother you too much, do you? I said, no, because if I can't do anything about it, why should I worry about it? You know, and, and now there are, are there some injustices in the world that we need to try to correct? Absolutely. But you know what? Far too often, far too often, and I've noticed this with these child adults in, in uh, colleges and universities today, they're worried about this worldwide systemic and you put the issue behind it, whatever it is, the oppression, you know, whatever, whatever the cause du jour of the day is, okay? You never, ever hear them talk about what are they doing about that on their local level. You never hear them talking about, you know, if there's oppression over in Africa. You never hear them encouraging those that are in those countries to take care of that oppression themselves. Now, sometimes they need some outside help. But you know what? I, I believe change starts with the individual. And, it, and then it goes from the individual to the family, from the family to the local community, and from the local community to the society at large is where these changes come from. And this is a, a bottom-up approach. God does not deal with everybody as a group of sinners. God deals with me and my sin on an individual basis. And he deals with you and your sin on an individual basis. And that's where it has to start. I, I, I don't hate folks 
for arbitrary reasons like their skin color. I don't hate folks because of their choices that they make in life, like homosexuality or, or uh, you know, gender identity, stuff like that. I don't hate them. I don't agree with them. I don't agree with what they're trying to teach society as a whole. And as far as I'm concerned, if you don't agree with that either, you have the God-given right of freedom of speech to, to put forth your ideas. And it's not hateful if you do that. Now, it might be very disagreeable with folks if you do that. That's a whole different, that's a whole different ball game. Being disagreeable is not being hateful. But what they're trying to do, and this is the biggest point I want to drive home here before we get down. We've got about, a little about 15 minutes of the show left. What they're trying to do by labeling everything hate speech that they disagree with is trying to shut down the speech. And some people are letting them shut down that speech. But I gotta applaud the ones that aren't letting them. Now I don't agree with everything that uh, Milianopoulos has said. I don't agree with his lifestyle, but I do agree with his God-given right to say what he wants to say. But in that same token, I and I I more than believe this that he believes in my right to be able to sit there and disagree with his lifestyle or what he says. I he, I think he's very open to debate. Now sometimes he gets a little cheeky and uh, a little vulgar every now and then and i disagree with that but i don't think milo is going to be out there protesting me uh saying that his lifestyle uh isn't the best way to go but by me just saying it there are people out there that well that's hate speech if you don't think you should be living as a homosexual well can we sit down and talk about it no we don't allow hate speech around here therefore we got to drive it out you know, we can't talk about these things. Oh, you're just a racist. And I've been called that I, because I, I, don't, I refuse to deal with people on the basis of something they can't help being. I, I refuse to look at a person as a black person. Now, I'm, not, I'm not taking away from any struggle or any, anything that might have happened in their lifetime, but I just refuse to look at them on that basis and judge them just on that basis. Now, if they have a story they want to tell me that, you know, some, you know, how they grew up, like Walter E. Williams grew up under a, a single mother and they struggled, uh, but he didn't let that hold him back. You know, he's a professor down, of economics down at George Mason University. Here's a man that didn't let that hold him back. Clarence Thomas is another one. Thomas Sowell is another one. There are, uh, Colin Powell is another, another person of color, a black man, that didn't let that hold them back. And I get taken to task because I don't want to deal with Walter Williams or Thomas Sowell just because they're black. To me, that's beside the point. I want to look at their accomplishments because it's of who they are, because of the content of their character. I want to look at them as just Americans. That's why I say on the show every day, I fight for your right just to be an American. And just that statement there is is objectionable to some folks and they want to label it as hate speech and want to keep me from talking about it. They want to keep people from talking about racism. Let the Robert Spencers of the world talk the way they talk and put forth the ideas they want to put forth. It doesn't hurt anything or anybody when they do that because you know why? Because when they let their ideas out on, again, the public playground of ideas, better more perfect ideas come up and kick her little heinies off the playground. 
That's the only way you do away with this is you, if you get enough people to understand what they're saying, is it right for society? Doesn't go along with, I'm not saying societal norms, but doesn't go along with the idea of building a more perfect union. Sorry, folks. That's how, that's how you do it. You do it through civil public discourse. I cannot say that enough. No matter how much you would disagree and think what that person says is so despicable and horrible, in order, in order to not be a hypocrite, you must, you must allow them to speak out in the public. And that includes on college campuses. And you know what your job is if you are disagree, if you think what they're saying is hate speech and deplorable and disgusting and, and you disagree with everything that they say, you know what your job is? Your job is not to go out there and protest saying we don't want to hear this. You know what your job is? And this is the harder part. Listen to me. This is the harder part of the whole situation. Your job is to refute with debate and grounded arguments to refute his ideology. That's your job. Now, is that, is that harder than standing out there with a sign uh, that doesn't say much of anything that's actually kind of stupid and shut down the free speech and shut down his ideas from being aired in public? Yeah, it is harder than that. And I, I'm, I'm afraid we've raised a generation of slackers that want to take the easy way out of everything. They don't want to debate it. They don't want to debate ideas they disagree with. They just want to shut it down. It, I disagree, therefore it's hateful, therefore hate speech should not be allowed. It's not part of freedom of speech. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, hate speech is a part of, of freedom of speech because the freedom of speech does not make a distinction between hate and non-hate speech. It's speech, period. And there's laws against, again, these people bring up these again, well, you can't say this, you can't cite the violence. Yeah, I know. You can't liable somebody. I know, there's laws against that. You know, and that's okay because, because that type of speech actually crosses a line into aggression against somebody else. But it's not crossing a line into aggression if you just disagree with somebody. You have white supremacists. I think we should just be a white nation. And you have right-thinking people over saying, are you nuts? And give reasons why they think he's nuts. That's how you defeat a white supremacist. That's how you defeat, defeat a fascist. That's how you defeat socialism. That's how you defeat communism. That's how you defeat um, sexual abuse. I'm not saying, and, and if somebody came out there in uh, favor of sexual abuse, uh, yeah, they should be debated vigorously, in, and that idea should be squashed completely. There are people out there, folks, there, it's uh, uh, the man, uh, man blood, man boys love association. Uh, they're pedophiles, and they believe that they have a right to sexually assault these children under eighteen years of age, especially boys. That can't be tolerated, and and yet they do promote that, and they have every right to promote that. But guess what? We have every right to depromote that. Not deplatform, but through di civil public discourse, we can defeat their ideology. And again, this this whole idea uh, of everything goes just because you want it in society is is a lot of foolishness. 
is a lot of foolishness. And things need to be debated. Things need to be aired out in, in civil public discourse. I cannot state that enough. It needs to be aired out in civil public discourse. Um, I've been reading articles lately here where atheism's uh, actually waning. And actually, uh, the number is very small of actual uh, avowed atheists and agnostics uh, in the world. And it's less than, I think it's less than 12% of the population of the world. And yet, to, to, to hear people talk, YouTube, lamestream media, stuff like that, that, that atheism is the number one idea in the world. It's not. <laughs> it just hasn't been. But again, stating that sometimes, you know, people take offense to that. You know, especially atheists. All oh, that's just hate speech from you Christians. You hating Christians. And again, they have no proof. Just because we disagree with them doesn't mean we hate them. Matter of fact, what really ticks them off is when we say we're praying for you. And we're praying for your soul. Oh, what good is it to pray to the great spaghetti monster in the sky? It doesn't do anything. Well, I'm not praying to the great spaghetti monster in the sky. I'm, I'm, I'm praying to a God that's real, that's revealed himself in scripture, that's revealed himself in nature. They just choose not to recognize, especially in nature, they just choose not to recognize that God has revealed himself in his own creation. It's called intelligent design, folks. Don't spread that around. It's called intelligent design. Now, that doesn't... That explains that there is a creator. doesn't explain the creator's character. Uh, God does that in his word. explains who he is. And Jesus Christ came to this earth in, in uh, Gospel of John chapter 1 to explain God more perfectly uh, to everybody. Because Jesus came from the Father. Jesus knew, knows the Father. You know, he's one with the Father. All right? Uh, real quick here. just And just please go look at some of these things. I didn't get to this one where... Uh, we got a little over five minutes. Nearly half of American college students believe that hate speech should not be protected. And, and again, it's because they disagree with something. It's not that it's actually hate speech. And this is where, and, and quite frankly, folks, I think this is where the college professors uh, and the administrators of these colleges and universities, uh, this is where they're falling down on this. A lot of these colleges and universities are actually indoctrination centers, and they actually believe this too, that they believe that any speech that disagrees with them is hate speech that needs to be shut down. Uh, I hope we never see the day where every single college campus and university in this country uh, has these ideas about shutting down free speech. It, it'll be a dark day in academia. Of course, again, uh, I'm on YouTube, I'm on the internet, and I am speaking freely. No one's shut me down yet. Uh, contrary to popular belief, matter of fact, Prager University has a lawsuit against Google and YouTube, uh, uh, you know, about squelching free speech. And their argument, I think it's a good one, is something I've been talking about for a while now, a couple months anyway, about how, you know, well, these YouTube and Google and Twitter, they're private companies, so they have the right to regulate the speech that's on there. Yes and no. They have terms of service so they can regulate, you know, the stuff they don't want on there. However, they they build themselves as a social media, a social platform, and they make their money off of that idea. And they encourage people to come on over there like creators and Twitterers and stuff like that. And yet, they get us over there, and if they disagree with our ideology, they want to shut that down. And yet, they're not shutting down other stuff that is actually hate speech or not fact-filled or whatever you might want to call that. So um, 
There's another good article here, Susan Nozzle, N-O-S-S-E-L, Nozzle, uh, from foreignpolicy.com, the problem with making hate speech illegal. That's because defining it to begin with, you know, what you might consider hate, I don't. What, just because we disagree on something doesn't mean I hate you or you hate me. And if you're too lazy to go debate somebody and all you want to do is protest and shut them down so, so we can't hear what they have to say, so maybe someone out here that, that believes and loves freedom of speech, this God-given right that we have, that we can refute their ideas, then we've diminished our society. We haven't advanced it. Real quick here, I have this... I got... I got to show you this. Not that I got into this with somebody, but um, Kellogg's on the Corn Pops box, right? There's a little picture here right in the center of your, uh, of your uh, screen here that has a darker Corn Pop working, like in a janitorial service. He's working. Okay, looks like he dressed like the man. Maybe I'm assuming something, but, you know, since I only think that there's, and I know, not think, I know there's only two genders, I'm going to say there's a man just the way he's dressed. And because he's darker, they're making this uh, Marvel Comics writer, uh, Saladin Ahmad, use Twitter on Tuesday to accuse the serial company of teaching kids racism as an illustration on the Corn Pops packaging. The picture in question shows uh, multi-yellow corn pop characters having fun at a shopping mall. They, the, the only darker colored character appears working as a janitor. That's not true. There are two, and they're mannequins. They say they're mannequins, but there's two mannequins that look like they're dressed up for vacation that are also darker color. Not as dark as this one, but they're darker color on, on the corn box. Okay? And the last time I checked, and, and I used to work on a farm, I still like my sweet corn, stuff like that, there are different colored corn kernels. Some are darker, some are lighter. And the other issue I have with this, it wasn't even brought out, this was just talking about race here, there is another picture of another corn pop in a hair salon getting cornrows. <laughs> but I didn't hear anybody talk about, well, that's cultural appropriation. So what has come out of all this is Kellogg's um, is change, going to change it. It's just like a, it's like a puzzle thing on the back of the cereal box, like a lot of the main brands do this, okay? And they're going to change this. They, they felt that, you know, they, they were sorry that they were um, insensitive. And I pretty much went on and told them, I said, you know, if this is, if this is the best you have, and kids won't notice this unless you point it out to them, uh, you need to just get a life. And, oh, that's, I've heard this so many times, get a life, get a life, get a life. Well, okay, get a life. <laughs> I bet you the kids didn't notice. I bet you put that in a room and ask them to see what's wrong with this picture. They're going to look at, there's an actual section on there between those mannequins. There's a difference. Pick out the ten differences. That's what they're going to look for. They're not going to look for this, the, the darker corn, you know, uh, corn pop that's actually uh, doing work. And, and, and janitorial work is very technical as far as I'm concerned. And not everybody wants to do it. And they are good paying jobs. So what's his problem with that? Again, they want, they want to foment hatred wherever they see it. And it's on the back of a children's cereal box, folks, for pity's sakes. And I, I, just, I had to go over there on Kellogg's and actually, uh, actually look that up. So um, 
couple more things. I know my time, uh, I'm at an hour and a half now. I just got a couple more things I want to go through here uh, since we're done talking about that. There is an article on, um, there is an article on, um, yeah, where is it at there? Uh, Express.co.uk uh, uh, by Nick uh, Gutteridge. Uh, EU referendum Brussels blasted for Orwellian crackdown on online criticism. This was posted last June. Uh, June 1st of 2016, and as far as I could find out, they're still looking at doing this, and, and some countries like Germany and some other ones are actually carrying on with this with uh, Facebook, Twitter stuff, cracking down on online criticism, criticism, especially of the government. Where have we heard that before, folks? Just think about that. Where have we hear that before? There's a bill sponsored by our beloved Democratic Senator, Democrat Senator here in PA, Robert Bob Casey Jr., a bill to increase funding for the state response to the opioid misuse crisis and to provide funding for research on addition and, and I'm like, and related pain relief and substance misuse. First off, unconstitutional for the federal government to be involved in anything, FDA, whatever having to do with drugs. Second off, why do we need to spend more money on something we already know is a problem? Using opioids and misusing them is a crisis, okay, as a painkiller. Guess what? And I don't have this up here now, and I've been doing some research on my own on this. Guess which state out of all the, out of the 50 United States has actually decreased their opioid dependence, and it's actually on the decrease tremendously. I, I give, I give you a five count: five, four, three, two, one. Now I know my audience is smart, and if you said Colorado, ding, 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 you're right. Colorado has legalized marijuana, recreational and medical. And guess what? Actually, has been dropping out in, in uh, Colorado. Opioid use. And that sort of puts a hole in Attorney General Jeff Sessions' idea that, that marijuana is a gateway drug. And so, look, I don't think we need more tax dollars spent on a response to the opioid crisis and for research uh, on addiction. We know how addicted they are. They are, I've had personal experiences with opioids, okay, oxycodone, very, very addictive. And I went through a week of hell coming off that stuff because of my neck. They put me on. I was on it for like three or four weeks. And the, uh, the orthopedic surgeon took me off. He said, just get off that stuff right now. You know, there was no, we're going to wean you off this. You need to get off this right now. And, and I literally, that week was one of the roughest weeks of my life. And right now with my condition of fibromyalgia, one of the pain medicines they would give me would be an opioid. And I'm so scared of the addiction of these opioids that I told my doctor, you write that on my medical, and I told my pharmacist, you write that in there, that I do not want long-term opioid. Now, I'll take them on a the short term for, you know, get rid of pain for, you know, a couple days, broken arm, you know, ingrown toenail, getting removed, stuff like that. I'll, I'll gladly take them. But as far, as far as maintenance, a maintenance drug, I said, no, I don't want anything to do with opioids. We don't need extra tax dollars to understand read more research in addiction. We really don't. And this is just another 
it's going to be a big boondockle. It's going to enrich some people. It's going to make the American people even poorer because the more tax dollars has to go to this for a situation that most common sense people know that opioids are addictive. And if they're addictive, they, we need to take care of that. We don't, need no, we don't need any more studies on the addiction. We just don't. We need to, we need to have alternative pain management medications that aren't as addictive and as destructive as opioids, folks. Just think about that. Okay, um, I'm not going to read this. I'm not going to read the last two. Let me get my camera back over here. Uh, I just let you know that the the one here I want you to go over and read this is Kaepernick and the Christian Ath- Athletes by Brent Bozell the third and Tim Graham, posted on October 27th, and it's comparing Kaepernick and Tebow and what's what was going on there. And I think it's a very good comparison in an article there. And then finally, this last one is from Cleveland.com. It's an online news service for Cleveland. Ohio's illegal voter purge should shouldn't be or should shouldn't be getting Trump Justice Department's blessing. And this is by Vanita Gupta, and it's an opinion. And please go over and read that. And basically, what happened in Ohio, and this happens in PA too, and I think they're I think they're trying to get it stopped here in PA also. If you don't participate for a couple of election cycles, and we're talking uh, not, and it doesn't, doesn't necessarily have to be midterm elections, uh, but, you know, like presidential election cycles, if you don't participate in so many of those, they will remove you from the voter roll. And I think rightly so. Now, <laughs> folks in Let America Vote, this George Soros-backed uh, anti-freedom group out there, they don't agree with that. They want to make it so easy for people to vote that as long as you can put fog on a mirror, you're allowed to vote. And my answer to this, and I put, I put my answer up to this, and I got all sorts of slack for this. I said, being an American citizen does take some work. It's not hard work, but it does take some initiative on the citizen's part. It shouldn't be just as easy, it shouldn't be easy, as easy as just going to get your driver's license renewed, and then register to vote. Although, if, if you want to do that, that's fine. I, I, you know, I, I got mixed feelings about that. I think you should go down to the voter registry, but there's other ways, you know, they have voting drives at fairs and stuff like that. So I'm not, I don't have real big angst against the, the, uh, the motor voter. Although, when you have states like California that give driver's license to illegal immigrants, then I have an issue with it. But if the states don't do that, then, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit more lenient with that. But I do think as American citizens, we should put forth the effort to participate. If you live in a state that requires driver ID and you don't have one and don't have the means to get somewhere, guess what? Somebody within your sphere of friends and family or community will more than happy be happy to take you and get your state ID so you can vote. It's not hard, and most states like Pennsylvania will pay for it. They'll pay for it. So these groups that just, they want to make it so easy so you can just fall off the log and, and accomplish all your duties as a citizen, it, to me, is ridiculous. You've got to have some type of skin in the game. you got to put some type of uh, time and participation in it. It just stands to reason. For me, anyway, makes sense to me. You know, so what are your thoughts? <laughs> Hopefully, this show has been enlightening. 
Hopefully you will come away from the show maybe knowing a little bit more about hate and hate speech, maybe give you some ideas on this. Folks, I'd love to hear your feedback on this. Leave comments down below the video here. And if you haven't subscribed already, please subscribe and hit the notification button so you know when I put new shows up or I go live that you'll get notified for this and come on and, and join the fun and frivolity uh, that we have here. Uh, and also, too, I'm looking for support. I have PayPal and Patreon. Please check those links out in my show notes page below. This has been the Dan Clemens Show. I'm your host, Dan Clemens, your constitutional warrior, fighting for right just to be an American. And remember, if you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. Have a great rest of the day, and God bless. And remember, on Sunday, attend the Church of God's Choice, and we'll see you Tuesday at noon.